Hey, everybody, this is David Harper from the Comics Interview Podcast Off Panel and the Comic Site Sketched, and you are listening to the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Welcome to the Oblivion Bar Podcast with your hosts, Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 74 of the Oblivion Bar podcast, the official podcast of the Fancy Shop in St. Charles, Missouri. I'm Chris Hacker. I'm one of your co-hosts here. And joining me this week, he is the living Aaron, my BFF, Aaron Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get it like the uh, the living vampire, you're the living Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> just gonna keep every time we every that's gonna be a a, a a a reoccurring thing here on today's episode. I'm just gonna look at Aaron. He's gonna go. <laughs> I'm a snake. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a little snake. <laughs> uh, as you can tell, there we are talking about Morbius for episode 74 of the Oblivion Bar podcast. Um, it exists, everyone. It is it is a film uh, currently it's here. in theaters. <laughs> it, it is happened. here. <laughs> it is. Um, it's something, and we'll, we'll talk about it here I'm in just so a bit. I'm so excited but... for this review. I'm so excited <laughs> for this review. Anyways, yes. Uh, yeah. Interjection. Segway. We're on Patreon. Is that what you're going to say? I, I was going to say that. It's almost like okay. we finish each other's sandwiches. Movies. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. And if you don't know this, you're going to get a little bit of a knowledge check right now. Guess what? For your contribution... <laughs> You could have access to some great Patreon-specific Discord channels. You get The Grid, which is our additional episode every week. Every week. Sometimes every we take week. a break, but I'm just kidding. No, every week. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's every single it's, week. It's every single week, and we have so much fun doing it. Uh, it's literally, it's like the Oblivion Bar podcast after dark. To be fair, we probably should have reviewed Morbius on the grid <laughs> in Ooh, retrospect, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yet here we are. We, it's it's very free form, and we kind of we can kind of let loose a little bit. So we yeah we prob yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> it's a weekly exclusive podcast episode that you get for being a, a Patreon subscriber. You get a- access to the um, episode transcripts early, so you can see what we're talking about. You also get a special shout out at the end of each Oblivion Bar episode. So also, I'm mean, Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris, what happens yeah. if they get the top tier subscription? You get everything that Aaron just said and a t-shirt. You get a free t-shirt, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you get that for free for being a $10 tier uh, patron member. But wait, there's <laughs> more. You also get access to certain you know, interviews that we do, certain mm-hmm. reviews, certain a lot of content we'll actually release as a standalone additional thing additional content that you get just from being a patreon subscriber so again if you haven't checked it out please check it out patreon.com forward slash oblivion bar pod you know we don't we don't expect everybody we don't expect anybody to actually you know subscribe to it but if you do you're helping us create something bigger and better that we can just put even more of ourselves into and that's all we Mm -hmm. want to do is we want to give 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 we're givers we're givers yeah you know Uh, and uh yeah i completely agree actually 
one of the cool things to kind of touch on that a little bit more is that like when we have a, you know, a guest on, we will actually video t- video. We'll do video and audio with that and we'll release that onto Patreon. So that's a perk that you get there again at patreon.com forward slash oblivion bar pod. So enough about Patreon though, Aaron, let's go ahead and get into our news and notes this week. News and notes. Okay, so our first piece of news this week, Aaron, is Warner Brothers is reportedly looking to pause all future projects of the Flash star mm-hmm. Ezra Miller. Mm. Mm-hmm. So according to Rolling Stones, Miller's recent behavior has reportedly caused Warner Brothers executives to hold an emergency meeting to discuss the actor and his projects with the studio. The actor has two big films coming out here soon with The Flash and Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. So this meeting took place after word got out that Miller burst into a couple's room while staying in Hawaii and threatened to burn them alive. This took place after Miller had already had an altercation at a karaoke bar in Hawaii in which he took a microphone from the 23-year-old woman while singing, after which he was arrested for disorderly conduct and harassment. Miller and his crew also tried to attack a 32-year-old man while playing darts at the same bar at that same evening. This is following a long history of questionable behavior by Miller with a video in early 2020 featuring Miller reportedly, we don't know if this was a a gag or if this was real, but he was choking and forcing this woman to the ground, essentially. And it kind of created a little bit of a hoopla in that moment. So, uh, and all that, Aaron, all of that to say that also in the same report by the Rolling Stones, it was revealed that Miller had frequent meltdowns during the production of The Flash, where he was, quote-unquote, losing it on set, but... They also like to say they they say here that his actions were not violent. So, man, Aaron, how many chances is this guy gonna get? Honestly, like every time we turn around, Ezra Miller is in the news doing something else crazy. We got the Flash coming out. I think it, they, that got delayed, correct? It's gonna be coming out next year now instead of this year. Uh, I I haven't heard anything about that. I might want to look that up. But yeah, so there's actually been a fan outcry though from fans of the Flash character. Mm-hmm. Calling for Grant Gustafson, Gustin, excuse me, Grant Gustin to take over the role as the Flash in in the DCU. So that shows that the, I mean, again, we've talked about many times the fans voting things out or kind of the power we forced, hold, the power we hold, forcing their will. But is this one of those times where it's it's necessary? You know, mm-hmm. is it a necessary evil to allow this to happen? I I I I think that Ezra Miller is he has done some amazing things, but yes. You got to look at the the studio has a reputation. The Mm -hmm. films have a reputation. He has a reputation and they all have to protect themselves. And if he cannot conduct himself, that's like that's like, you know, Chris Evans going out and just beating somebody like to a pulp, you Mm -hmm. know, right before Endgame comes out. Right. It's just not a good look, man. Like you're 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 supposed to be portraying a hero. Kids look up to you. You know, so there's right. a lot that goes into it. So I don't blame them at all for this. And and the fact that he's also in several. I mean, let's 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 admit the Flash is a is a comic book character. Mm-hmm. He's 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 for kids. I mean, he's also for adults, but those are all basic. Kids. Fantastic Beasts for kids for a certain mm-hmm. a huge fandom. So he's obviously got he's needs he needs to be looked at. He needs to be talked to. He needs some kind of you know evaluation because this is not a good look for somebody who is uh, like a key stakeholder in two very big franchises. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I don't know what the pause here on his you know, future projects is really going to do. Uh, it sounds like this is something that he's obviously he's been in trouble quite a bit over the last couple of years. 
I'm wondering what this is really saying about him as a person, you know, like, is, is it the fame? Is it perhaps something else? Maybe he's, um, maybe let's, maybe this is an outcry of some sort. He's not that old. I think he's probably in his late twenties. I want to say, and to kind of speak on the Grant Gustin recast, I think that that's like probably that would be a fan favorite move. Of course, Grant Gustin has been the flash over at CW for almost 10 years now. So it would make sense that if they are going to go in a different direction, why not just introduce Grant Gustin's Flash character maybe in one of the DCEU films and just say, oh, in a very similar way they're doing with Batman. Obviously, Ben Affleck's Batman's moving on in the same Flash movie, and they're going to be introducing Michael Keaton's Batman as this current DCEU's Batman. So why not, in another film, do a very similar thing with Grant Gustin and this new portrayal of Barry Allen? So I, I feel the need, because uh, I, I remember hearing about it on the news, uh, Ezra Miller's pronouns are actually... Uh, they, them, and Z. Okay. So he, he uh, so excuse me. So I just said right. So they are not necessarily non-binary, but he, they, they are a point. They have made it a point to refuse to be gendered. So sure. Ezra Miller okay. is they, them, and Z. So I just wanted to bring well, that out. Just they so that, you know. need help. Yes, and, <laughs> and some kind of help. I don't that's know. That's one what it thing. Is. is I have seen Ezra Miller on the red carpet uh, a few times, and they have several times very very much taken the madonna the lady gaga the you know the the route of of wearing something very like out of the norm you know sure. i think at one point ezra miller had uh i think it was like eight eyes on their face okay uh he the, when he had the or when they had the eyes all over their face uh, he mm-hmm. actually had a mask that he held almost like a you know like a like a like a i don't even know how to describe it just like a fake, like a like a face mask. Um, it, it's not. It's just. It looks. It's a realistic mask on a little stick, and he held it in front of his of face his, of of, their, of his their own face. face. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Of, of right, their well, own face. Right. So well, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Whatever. I mean, it's, do whatever you want. Honestly, yes. that's that's fine with me. It's this crap that he's pulling. You know, whenever he's out and about, they, you know, doing the stuff that he did to these people. They, or, I'm sorry. Excuse me. The things that they had done to these people there in Hawaii. And obviously, their past, you know, things they've done. Either way, I think just... you know we're we're talking about it. We're we are realizing the 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 change there, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're ignoring it. We're not, you know. I I think that we're doing our part. It's it is a transition for us as well to change how we, you know, we're we're doing our best to respect it. So, but yeah, yeah I agree with you. And I think that just the point is that once they make, I mean, regardless of what level of celebrity you're at. If you are going through something, mm-hmm. it's important to, to talk to somebody. Absolutely. I totally agree. So, Aaron, why don't you go and take us into our next bit of news here? Uh, kind of some sad news as well. We've done a lot of sad news the last two episodes. We need to we need to get some happiness some up happy in here. happy news. <laughs> Man. Uh, so, E3 2022 it has been confirmed as canceled. Boo. Uh, it, 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 I guess, you know, as of, I think, 21, 2021, it was already announced that it was going to be a digital-only event mm-hmm. due to, to COVID still being very prevalent and uh, from so I'm just going to you know read the, the information but the E3 is usually the premier gaming event of the year you know it's it's electronics entertainment expo it's the biggest names in video game industry make huge announcements and show off their biggest games it was confirmed towards the end of last week to Polygon that E3 2022 has been fully cancelled Entertainment Software Association ESA did say they plan on returning with E3 in 2023 and put out the following statement we previously announced that E3 would not be held in person in 2022 
due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19. Today, we announced that there will also be no digital E3 showcase in 2022. Instead, we will devote all of our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Whether enjoyed from the show floor or your favorite devices, the 2023 showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together in an all-new format and interactive experience. We look forward to presenting E3 to fans around the world live from Los Angeles in 2023. Now, I don't necessarily think of this as sad news. And I say that because over the last several years, especially with COVID, many big name companies, Nintendo, Sony, I think I think Microsoft has been there continuously, but several companies have stopped promoting and have stopped presenting physically at E3. So it's been kind of a, a yearly decline in what is being presented, and it's turned less into a video game industry moment and more into... I want to say like hardware and accessories and just more of a convention. And I think that one thing that I heard coming out of 2022 and possibly even 21 was that they wanted to make this, they wanted to kind of turn this back around and turn it more into an industry led event. This isn't just mm-hmm. a convention as, as somebody who loves conventions and somebody who loves going and getting dressed up and having a good time and checking out the booths. This is not for that. This was never supposed to be a convention. This was supposed to be a premiering event for the the tip of the like the top you know creators, publishers, producers to put out and to tease and get gamers thirsty and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> hungry for the the, the comp- yeah for blood for for the you know the blood sweat and tears of the gaming industry and what they were producing mm-hmm. and what was coming out you know we used to get premieres of of you know upcoming games like new final fantasies and the Get next that new halo trailer bring it to e3 new, new halo trailer you oh you want to see the 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 metroid game that you still haven't gotten mm-hmm. no maybe <laughs> no we don't know, but Tune eventually E3 and find out. Yeah. You know, the last guardian that might've been an E3 thing and that thing sucked. But anyways, <laughs> the point is I like the fact that they are going to not necessarily hold something this year, because as we've talked about the last several episodes, and I'm even going to talk about in my Twitch talk today, so many games are getting delayed. So mm-hmm. A lot of movies, a lot of games. And I don't really know what it is. I keep speculating that it has something to do with the industry, uh, the entertainment industry itself kind of trying to write itself, kind of course correct with all of the delays from COVID and, and just there's been trying a lot to find going a new on. Status in the world. quo. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's it, but I don't know. E three has been one of those like staples in in the gaming community for many years. And I hope that this is something that will, as they say, uh, quote unquote, revitalized physically and digitally, uh, you know, an E3 experience for next summer. And so I look forward, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Take a step back and don't pull a cyberpunk 2077, you know, which, (laughs) which by the way, this is a little piece of news as well. Uh, they have just found at GameStop at the, in the $5 bin. Well, how the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Well, uh, E3 has never really been something I've ever tuned into. You know, a lot of times I like the Nintendo Directs and things like that. But for the most yeah. part, E3 has never been something I have, you know, been highly anticipating, you know, that year, any year. Well, that's what it used to be. It used to be, you know, Nintendo would present there. And now instead of Nintendo, we have, you know, we have the Treehouse events. We have the Nintendo Directs. We have the Pokemon Direct, you know. So that was one of those things that that I, 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 I want to say that Nintendo might have actually been one of the first real big companies to step away and start doing mm-hmm. their own thing. Yeah. They're doing a very similar thing with like San Diego comic-con. If you remember 
back in the day in the you know early 2010s, San Diego Comic-Con was the premier time to drop new trailers, to bring on the cast of these new films uh, and, and showcase that to the world. If you had something new, you bring it to San Diego Comic-Con. But now you've got like Disney Day and you've got Star Wars Day and you've got, you know, we'll just go ahead and say it. Disney kind of stepped away from San Diego Comic-Con and then and then all of a sudden DC stepped away and started doing the uh, DC fandom. fandom. And now yeah. it's like, it's like uh, what does San Diego Comic-Con even have? If you're missing the big two or one of the big two, you're already kind of at a huge disadvantage. So, okay, well, moving on here to our last bit of news here, we have the Crow reboot is moving forward with Bill Skarsgård set to star with Rupert Sanders directing. Gotta so have Bill a Skarsgård. You gotta have that scars guard. If you want to hit in Hollywood, grab one of the nine scars guards, put them in your film, and <laughs> that's what Rupert Sanders doing is is doing here with this brand new interpretation of the Crow. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, in my brain, in my brain, I imagine like a room filled with like cryogenic t- chambers, and some guys like we need a scars guard. <laughs> Another one. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, if you're defective, not familiar, defective. <laughs> abort, abort, <laughs> abort, abort, shoot her, shoot her. <laughs> Sorry, that was a reference to the film we're about to talk about here in just a moment, 2022's Morbius. Um, in that in that film, no, I'm just kidding. I was going to go into it, but I'm not going to. Uh, so, Bill Skarsgård, uh, of the many Skarsgårds that we have in Hollywood, he is the one that played Pennywise the Clown in the newest interpretation of Stephen King's It, and he will be starring in this new, new reboot. So. This new reboot will be directed by Rupert Sanders, as we said before, who is best known for helming Snow White and the Huntsman, which is the uh, Hemsworth. Uh, who was who the other one? Um, Charlize was, Theron. She, yeah. I think she was in that film as well. And then uh, we have the very appropriate, very culturally appropriate remake of <laughs> Ghost in the Shell with, uh, <laughs> with Scarlett which, Johansson. So. Which, interesting enough, the original Crow starred Brandon Lee, who was, you know, I believe half Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... I'm curious if the fact that we're going to get kind of any any concerns over whitewashing. Well, I don't think the crow. So in the original James O'Barr comic, I don't know if it's ever shown if he has whatever his actual ethnicity or heritage mm-hmm. or what have you. I don't think any of that is ever discussed. Or maybe it is. And I haven't read. I'll be honest. I haven't read the the comic, the original comic, so I don't know. Uh, but Brandon Lee is so paralleled and and you know conjoined with that character in that movie that. To verge anything other than that seems so crazy for some people, especially the hardcore fans. If you talk to people who love The Crow, they really love The Crow. Like, And I say it here in our transcript here that uh, this has become a fan favorite. It's become a cult classic over the last couple of years. And I think people were very excited about the fact that Jason Momoa was kind of headlining this reboot for many years. He was often trying to get this off the ground, trying to find a director, trying to find a production team. And it looks like they're just moving forward with uh, Rupert Sanders and Bill Skarsgård. So what are your thoughts here? And what do, do you have any general excitement for this brand new reboot, this brand new attempt at a reboot, I guess, with Bill Skarsgård? All right, so I'm gonna, this is going to be kind of a hot take. Okay. Hot I take alert. Not... <laughs> hot take alert. I am not necessarily the biggest The Crow fan. I mean, I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I, I do like Brandon Lee, rest his soul, from this film. But... Again, the movie's just not it's it's not I I don't see where it's at. And as somebody who loves supposed cult classics, which I actually just listened to an episode of Wizard and Bruiser when mm-hmm. they were talking about how Tron is considered a cult classic and we start and, and just the the term cult classic is being thrown around way too much. Right. Uh but <laughs> well, 
I think both of these are are under that category, though. I, I agree with you that cult classic is definitely broadened itself over the years, but I think movies like The Crow and Tron were not appreciated at their time, but are much yes. more loved now today. Some call that sleeper hits. Sure. But at the same time, underappreciated. Underappreciated. But again, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to rush to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see what it looks like first. Yes. Give me a trailer. Entice mm-hmm. me. Give me a little right. taste. A little taste. A little taster. A little taster. A little teaser. A little appetizer. And see if I bite on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, honestly, that's about all I really have to say about it as well. I, I'm not a huge fan of the original Crow. I understand the significance. I understand why people like it. It is one of those films that has its lovers. I mean, I bet you there are people out there who are probably like, I don't understand why people love Tron so much. But then you have people like you and I who love both the original and the Tron Legacy remake. So I, and I was just talking to someone the other day about how the, people talk about <laughs> the best thing to come out of Tron Legacy is the soundtrack. And while I don't disagree, I also like the film as well. And how much of that is my Daft Punk n- fandom showing? I don't know. But Libations for everybody! <laughs> I love the so, whole damn thing. Me too. I love everything about it. But yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what this looks like. Um, probably middle of next year, I would bet we probably get a trailer for this if it does go through. So... But that'll do it for our news and notes, Aaron. Let's go ahead and get oh, into, our, <laughs> into our review of uh, Morbius. Uh, before we get over there, though, Aaron, let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. Hey, guys, it's Chris here from the Comics in Motion Network. Please get over to our podcast, Comics in Motion, on all podcast catching apps around the world. Originally started off as a TV and movie review podcast, but we've expanded it out now. We've got some amazing people doing some amazing shows on our network. If you're into comic books, this is the place for you. Please give some of the shows a try. I'm sure there'll be something for you if you're into comic books. Really appreciate the opportunity to run this promo today, guys. And we'll see you soon. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Hacker with The Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. We here at The Oblivion Bar podcast have partnered with a company called Link, that offers a line of smart products that let you share information instantly with the people that you meet. Think of it as a digital business card. We absolutely love using it to share our show with new listeners. You can build a page that contains your contact information, website, social media links, photos and videos, appointment scheduling, custom forms, and much more. All shareable with just a tap of one of their smart cards. It's like an unlimited use business card that you can change over time. So visit buy.linkapp.com and use our promo code OblivionBarPod at checkout for some major discounts. That's OblivionBarPod at checkout. Link, your new modern way to network. Here's the episode's main topic. For episode 74 of the Oblivion Bar podcast, we're going to be talking about Morbius. Michael. I've known you since you were a child. You have a gift. You always have. If there's an answer to your disease, you'll find it. I should have died years ago. still here if not to fix this i have a rare blood disease and i'm running out of time this could be my last chance you're up to something what is it 
not exactly legal. I want to see you get hurt more than you already have. This would be a cure. At what cost? is worse than the disease. All righty, Aaron. So here we are. We're here to talk about Morbius. Spoilers <laughs> ahead. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Spoilers ahead. Okay. Not that it matters, really, I don't think. I mean, we could tell you exactly what happens in this film, and you'll probably go see it and still get the same experience, but in case you don't want to be spoiled for Morbius and you do want to check it out, if you're one of the 10 people that haven't seen it and want to, go ahead and step away and come back to this once you've seen it. So, Aaron... <laughs> I just, it slowly sunk in, but I got it. 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> Initial thoughts on, on Morbius. What, what, what was your thoughts Ooh. leaving the theater? Okay. Okay. That's, I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, it was, it was okay. It was okay. okay. It was okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I mean, that was a fun... In the words of Chris Hacker, that was a fun time. I, I think, uh, to quote myself, I would say that it's fine. It's, it's fine. Un, it's unoffensively nothing to me. Like, this film, I found some things that I liked. I liked the way Morbius looked. I think it was very comic accurate, and I like that. Uh, I, I kind of appreciated the relationship. We're getting ahead of ourselves too much already, but... I appreciated the relationship <laughs> between Milo and Michael in the film, and especially in the beginning. The ending, oh, save, it becomes, save that. Save that. Save okay. that. All right. We're, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about okay, it. Okay. Yeah, here's a little I anecdote. It's fine. it's fine. Here's an anecdote. Okay. My boss went to go see this, I want to say, within a couple of days of it coming out. And he texts mm-hmm. me, you know, and this is one of the, you know, I have a nice relationship with my boss. And, you know, we, we, he texts me and he said, I really liked it. I was really surprised, mm. but I really liked it. You know, and uh, I can't say much for his taste. My boss is a nice guy. Um, but I, you know, I was like, that, that that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Okay. Sure. So I, I had a little bit more excitement to go see it. Well, you know why? You know why I think that is? Because I have a feeling your boss is probably older than both you and I. And I think that we're he from is. an era where we, we remember X-Men. We remember Blade. We remember these early superhero movies in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, where films were formatted in the way that 2022's Morbius is formatted. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's very linear, not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of meat on the bones. 
it kind of gives you what it thinks you want, but it ends up being kind of convoluted and, and almost like at a breakneck speed goes through its entire plot. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That is that was going to be my overall point was the, the the one thing that really took everything away from this movie of what it could be was the pacing. Yeah, it is so quick. And I, we get into it here in just a moment. One hour and 52 minutes long. I would have been blown. I would actually I would have not been surprised if it had said it was an hour and 20 minutes long, mm-hmm. you know, right around 90 minutes long. I think that would have been I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, because I feel like I blinked and they were fighting each other in that hole. Yeah, at the bottom of the city, you know. So let's go ahead Wherever and get to the summary here. From. <laughs> let's go ahead and get our summary here, Aaron. I don't know what kind of voice we should do here. Can you do like a vampiric? I want to suck your blood type of like uh, voice or no? First or? off, that's vampirism. All right, not all not <laughs> all vampirist. vampires are from Transylvania. You know that I am called the Count. Because I really love to count. <laughs> but I can do something. Let's see if I can do... <clears throat> Give me a second. He's getting into his vampiric brain. Okay. <clears throat> Dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others from the same fate, Dr. Michael Morbius attempts a desperate gamble. While at first it seems to be the radical success, a darkness inside him is soon unleashed. Will good override evil? Or will Morbius succumb to his mysterious new urges? (laughs) Okay, spoilers, everybody. We still don't know. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know if he's good or evil because at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, he's good, I think. But then Uh, the post-credit scene, which we'll talk about here in a moment... They're like, oh, wait, no, he's actually evil. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, I'm confused. Okay. Whatever. All right. So this film was directed by Daniel Espazana. He did 2012's Safe House. He did 2015's Shower 44. And he did 2017's spiritual prequel to Venom, Life. Which, if you've seen Life, it's basically about this little piece of goo that kills a bunch of astronauts, I think. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just actually read the other people, other people. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think overall, I I don't know how much of this really lands on Espazana. I think this film actually looks okay in most aspects. I don't like some of the slow motion stuff as far as like with Morbius. I understand why they do it because he is very like kinetic in the way that he moves. It's always very it's all very quick. And like this weird like dust that follows him everywhere he goes, like he almost like is moving in the shadows in a way. But I think overall, the change between Morbius into his vampire self to the normal Jared Leto face, I, and, and the same thing with Matt Smith and Milo, I thought looked okay. What, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, with a budget of $75 million, I think they did an outstanding job, even to the degree of being – because we, we have notes here where it says Venom uh, had a budget of $120 million, and Let There Be Carnage had a budget of $110 million, obviously less than Venom. And mm-hmm. both of those, to a degree, I mean, they looked oh, they looked okay. They looked okay, okay. But I think what you're saying is correct. You know, I think the transi- transition from Morbius, va- uh, you know, Doctor to Vampire was great. I think there were a couple of scenes for me where, you know, Milo's character looked a little like eh, a little rough around the edges. But other mm-hmm. than that, like 
great. Like, if I could say one thing about this movie, about what I had a, such a great time with, was mm-hmm. it was actually those, what you're talking about, those kinetic scenes. The almost vamp- vampiric parkour through the city. Him, like, feeling the, the, the wind, the vibe. Him, like, hearing... Like the the using his sonar, like those mm-hmm. scenes were were awesome. I I loved the actual like the slow motion portions because he was so fast and and even the the, the first time we see Milo like killing some guards, he just like fup, 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 and I'm like yeah, <laughs> I was like I'm in the theater. Luckily, there's only me and one other guy, but um, <laughs> that has the it has the seeds for a, a pretty good film. I think I think we've yeah. talked about this, you know, privately outside of the show that like this movie had some things in it. And I think the big thing that everyone was expecting was Jared Leto and his Jared Leto-ness would ruin this movie. But I think overall, he might be the best part of this whole thing, yes. which is promising for a future Sony-verse, which is what Sony wants. And I, I think that maybe in other hands, this character or these characters in general could do quite well. Can I just say, like, I, I as much as I did like Jared Leto, Matt Smith... Even Tyrese, as much as I like them in their roles, in in their roles, I don't think that they were necessarily the best choices, but I think that they did a good job. I think that they could have cast very different people in these roles and it would have didn't probably, it would have probably have done the same exact thing. Sure. Yeah. And again, that could come down to direction. Again, we don't really know what goes behind the scenes, of course, in Hollywood, but a lot of times, especially in these superhero, these, this is not necessarily a big is this considered a blockbuster, you think, at $75 million? I mean, think about it. A lot of the the more recent superhero films, the big ones especially, MCU, the Batman, are all sitting around $200 million. So this has less than half of that, and and yet think I think it looks decent. Does, but a lot does, times, is blockbuster defined, though, by what it does at the box office? Well, if that's the case, then this definitely is not a blockbuster. Exactly. This is we'll, a- <laughs> we'll talk about that here. I guess let's go ahead and just get into it. So Morbius earned uh, just $2.95 in its second Friday, which is tied with Dark Phoenix for a big, quote-unquote, comic book movie, 83% from the, fr- the, the first Friday, its first Friday. So after a 10-day total, it occurred $57 million. So it'll at least pass 2005's Fantastic Four at 56 million, and that aforementioned Dark Phoenix at 65 million, uh, for likely just over 65 million itself domestically. So to kind of contextualize all of that here, I made a little funny note. This is mostly for <laughs> giggles, but I think it kind of again shows where we're at here with Morbius and how people did not show up for this movie. The lowest opening four-day weekend, domestic weekend for an MCU film, is The Eternals at 71 million. So that's from last year. Of course, that's also during the kind of the revamp of the pandemic and also a, a very obscure property within Marvel that I don't think anyone really asked for, right? The lowest DCEU opening weekend is Wonder Woman 1984 back in December of 2020 at 46 million, again, during COVID. Those are four-day domestic weekends. We're at the 10-day mark and Morbius is currently at 57 million. This is not doing well, guys. This no. is, we're not getting. We are not getting another Morbius film. I think if he ever shows up again, it'll be in someone else's film, probably Spider Man's. The the big ball dropping issue about this film was that again, nobody really understood who or what Morbius was, is, and how he connects to a bigger scenery a bigger environment of heroes and superheroes and villains i don't think that there was a great like again with marvel movies there's multiple connections there's multiple 
you know, like like Morbius has, has yet to be seen in any other movie. He hasn't been in a, a post-credit scene. He hasn't been connected to anybody else. So well, he's actually, I think he was in a deleted scene for Blade. But again, that doesn't matter because it was, A, it's a deleted scene and, and B, it was in a, not even in the same universe. So, but yeah, now, I, I Blade, we're talking about, we're talking about Wesley Snipes' Blade? Yeah, he was in a deleted scene, which obviously this is not Jared Leto's uh, Morbius. This is just, it was just like an offhanded, hey, what if we introduced Morbius into this universe mm, as well? Mm. But I get what you're saying. And I agree with you 100%. The comics don't even really feature Morbius that much. I mean, I don't think I've seen him in a comic outside of his own in a long time. I can't the even think of one off the top of my head. The last time I saw him was the Amazing Spider-Man cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. when I was, I think, in elementary or middle school or something. Like, that was really, and he was just like this teenage looking kind of like dude scientist with a with a terrible accent and and you know a bat nose you know so <laughs> i mean I, I again i think that there's a there was so much potential here for mm-hmm. something that could have been its own and maybe like again we have so many other movies that have been like their own kind of story that have kind of blossomed into these other ideas you know but this one, this 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 one just wasn't it. This this had they, they could have made this very much like like Joker, you know, kind of its own thing. But they try and and the post the the credit scenes really show that they didn't really know what they were doing when they were trying to connect this to anything. Oh, absolutely, I totally agree with you. It's one of those things where if the people making this film don't have an identity for Morbius, then they're not going to have an identity for what he means in the larger picture. And again, just like you had just said there, and we'll talk about it here in just a moment, the post credit scene really muddles things. You really think during the film that Michael Morbius is an actually good guy who just so happens to accidentally become a vampire. And he's fighting these urges throughout the film, trying to figure out ways to not ingest real blood, trying to do this like artificial blood that keeps shortening his time as a normal person and then keeps switching back and forth between his vampire self. But then at the end of that post credit scene, we don't really know. Yeah. So, and they try. They really did try. I mean, there were so many. There, there are quite a few Easter eggs in this movie. Uh, I'm not sure if you covered any of them as well. But like, you know, when when the doctor, that, when Morbius's father figure doctor was talking about, he mentioned a school for gifted children. You know, that was kind of an amusing. Shout out the X Men to the X Men. You know, uh, Horizon Labs is mostly more important to Spider Man because mm-hmm. that's where he gets his his you know web slinging gear. You know, you have. Morbius mentioning the Daily Bugle brought that back, you know, yep. and then chameleon. They, there's a there's a reference in the newspaper about the chameleon escaping. Uh, there's a black cat Easter egg. There was a, an amusing... did you know that chameleon is actually in Spider-Man Far From Home? Mm-mm. It's very obscure and he doesn't really show up with his like normal, like super white chameleon face. But mm-hmm. the guy who's driving the bus with the beard and the ponytail in Far From Home when they're driving through like the Alps and you know oh, what I'm talking about yeah. with with yeah. the drone. His I don't I can't think of the chameleon's real name, but in the credits he's he's credited as chameleon. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There is also in the Daily Bugle and in, in Morpheus, Morpheus, excuse me, Morpheus. Eh? Uh, there's a, a a joke about the a rhino escaping. Hmm. Uh, there's you know there's the Venom reference. You don't and then there was the Incredible Hulk reference. Yeah. You know you don't yeah. want to see me when I'm hungry. That's right. So. I think even at one point he says that I am Venom, right? He says he yeah, says that yeah. to the guy who <laughs> yeah. th- puts a knife on him. But in even in like the commercial, there he like he he kind of rep- re- like he pulled back from that joke. He's like, I am Venom. I'm just kidding. But in the movie, he didn't. They removed that line of him saying that he wasn't. 
So right. I thought I found that to be interesting. And then obviously there's the, you know, we'll talk about the post-credit scenes in a second. But We're really think, burying the lead here with the post-credit scene. <laughs> like it's yeah. something incredible. But if in nothing else, this it's post-credit not. scene, is it makes it worse. It makes the movie like worse. So the, here's, the, here's the two things that I didn't really understand. And this is where I can get, you know, discuss with you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's go back. Okay, so we're talking about the actual film itself. In the film, Michael, Dr. Michael Morbius creates a serum that basically turns him, you know, replaces a portion of his DNA with vampire bat DNA, turns him into the living vampire. Uh, in it, we see him also having two other vials of the same serum. All right. Mm-hmm. We never see after there's a scene where we see uh, Milo and Dr. Morbius kind of, you know, discuss it and talk about it. And, and you know, Morbius kicks Milo out of the lab. And we never really see what happens to the other two vials. We assume, I guess, know that Milo took one of the things, one of the, mm-hmm. the ampules or one of the, you know, the, those. Now, again, spoiler, we see also, uh, well, we didn't even talk about the cast. You know, you got Jared Leto as Mar- Michael Morbius, Matt Smith as Milo, Adria Arjona as Martine Bancroft, who is basically Jared Leto's love interest slash uh a, you know partner doctor uh jared harris is dr emil nicholas who is you know the the kind of the father figure to to milo and dr morbius al madrigal is alberto al rodriguez and then tyrese gibson as simon stroud michael keaton it shows up as the vulture and a couple of points now at the end we see michael morbius bite <sighs> dr bankroft to use his bl- <laughs> use her blood to become you know, more powerful to be able to fight. She's like, don't let it go to waste. Blah, 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 blah. You know? Yeah. Her, his, his, uh, his uncle Ben moment. <laughs> yeah. And so he then drinks her blood and goes, but we do see at one point, we see her eyes open with that same red iris looking, uh, you know, basically she turns into a vampire, right? Essentially. Yeah. She's a vampire. And, and actually in the comics, she is, con- she is like one of his biggest villains. Okay. So, and I, I that's I can't take credit for like knowing that off the top of my head. I was I looked that up after the fact, but yes, similar things happen in the in the comics where she is bitten by Morbius, and then she ends up kind of having a similar thought to what Milo has in this film, which is that this is a gift, not a curse, and we should be using we should just be running crazy, doing whatever we want, and she's often trying to take him back over to the dark side because that's that's like his biggest struggle in the comics is. He's a living vampire. He's not really a vampire, quote unquote, in the sense that he is undead. He is alive, the living vampire. So you've got people in his circle trying to often bring him over to the complete vampire side. And you've got people like Blade who are in a similar boat as him where like they live in that vampire world, but they're not technically vampires. So for me now, now again, did she, what did she turn because she was bitten or did she, was that something that Milo did? Did Milo knowing that he was going to die, inject her with that third you know, serum. See, that's another big point in the comics is that when Morbius bites people, he can't turn people into vampires because he's not a vampire. Yes. So I guess what we can do, and I'm glad you brought this up, is that we can maybe assume that Martine at some point might have taken that other vial, knowing that she was probably going to die at some point leading Mm. up to, you know, Mm. because, and again, that's us speculating. We don't know for a fact. We're probably making this movie sound way smarter than it is. But <laughs> if if we're living by the rules within the film that it the rules that it gave us, that's very possible. That third vial probably went to Martine at some point. Next question. He made two serums. Mm-hmm. One to kill Milo, and he I believe he was said he was going to use the second one on himself, which he didn't do. <laughs> which Why he did not he- do. 
which he just straight up did not do. Like this, this vial did not exist. So that's my next question. Where did that go? What happened to that plan? Did that just kind of go to shit? What happened uh, to that yeah. plan? I, I don't know. I don't, because again, talking about the breakneck, breakneck speed of this film, we got to think that at the end of the film, when he flies off, that's the, that's the end of it. There's no real resolution. They, you know, he kills Milo. He flies off out of that hole. And then that's the end. Okay. Now we have the post credit scene. Now we finally get well, to the post credit scene. Real or quick, what? I'm sorry, but before we get to the post credit scene, I have one more <laughs> thing I want to talk about. Uh, I have one more thing I want to talk about. <laughs> Ty- <laughs> Tyrese Gibson, throughout the entire production of this film, talks about how he is a superhero type and how his arm, the cybernetic arm that he says he has, it, you know, again prior to Morbius coming out, plays a big key part in this film. You never see this arm in this movie at all. You Every see it once. You see oh, you it do once. See it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You see it once. You never see it. You never get to see him actually use it. You, I guess exactly. is probably a better way to say it. So that was that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I that, that popped in my brain, but but my dumb smooth brain um, completely forgot it. It just slid mm-hmm. right off out my ear. <laughs> um, but I was going to say that also. Like, did it not feel like Tyrese, like Simon Stroud, should have had some kind of bigger something placement? to do? Yeah. Something to he, do. Yeah. Like he he's talking about. The, huh? Sorry. I just, he, he walks up on the hole at the end. All the bats fly out and that's the last you see that's of it. him. That's it. That's it. That's it. He was yeah. talking about like how Dr. Morbius's blood saved him in Afghanistan. Say, you know, mm-hmm. saved it. Like, he said saved his arm. Right. But apparently didn't. Right. <laughs> didn't, didn't though, because apparently, he has like, he has a he cyborg has a cy- arm, <laughs> cyborg arm. So, uh, and, but then I also was like, I, I figured at some point he was gonna be like, Hey, let me call my cousin blade. Right. I got you a know? guy. I got a guy. <laughs> I know. I know a dude named blade. You know, <laughs> you ever heard of him? <laughs> blade, <laughs> but also Tyrese Gibson signed a four year picture deal for this franchise. <laughs> Jared Leto oh. only signed two movies. That's the funniest part. They got Tyrese Gibson for more movies than Jared Leto. That was the funniest part about this whole thing. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> so go ahead. Let's talk about the post credit scene and get Finally. the heck out of here. Because I, I, again, I told you before we started recording here, Aaron, and that stands true. I do not have a ton to say about this. This is no. a movie that you either have to decide you want to watch for yourself and, <gasps> you know, decide whether you like it or not or, or just did it move suck? on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first part, the first post credit scene. Uh, again, confusing. Uh, shows <laughs> confusing. the vulture being transported into this Sony universe. So we see the sky opening up, much like we did in Spider-Man. Uh-huh. You know, No Way Home. Uh, his last appearance being in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Tomb seems less than surprised to be in a completely different universe, and the screen cuts to the credits roll. Now they talk about how he might actually be released. So they, there's like a news report. It's like Adrian Tombs has been released. You know, because he's, he just shows up. Like, why is that grounds to release the guy? So, and then the other thing is like, how did he, I get there like the, the, you know, so, so did people during the universe mashup, did, did yeah. they get transported and left at other universes? Cause I don't did, think like, that was yeah, ever- random people just show up in different universes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so curious. And then we have the, in the first crime scene, agent, oh wait, no, that's no, fun facts. Okay. And then the second one, then history is made. The second post credit scene is a direct follow up to Vulture being transported into this universe as he meets up. So you just see, you know, Mike, Dr. Michael, Michael Morbius somehow got a sports car and he's like driving through the <laughs> desert. Okay. And then he stops 
at this you know area and there's like nothing out there he looks at his watch and it's like 2 54 a.m man why is it 2 55 specify time i'm the vulture beat me in the desert at 2 55 a.m you know it's <laughs> so uh you know michael morbius meets up with him and he's like uh i think we, t- we can do some good you know he's like discuss a team up to go after the web slinger known as spider-man and morbius says interesting or, is that what he says he's, he's like intriguing or something he said something along those lines and it cuts i don't even remember what he said like i was who cares i don't care about any of this sugar and mountain dew (laughs) why why did you do this morbius was a good dude for just an hour and 52 minutes long of this film and all of a sudden he's gonna team up to take on a guy that he doesn't even know he doesn't even know who the spider-man is it just made no sense and then also like you said the vulture showing up in the sony universe why How, how does that happen why was he plucked out of his, out of the MCU and put into the Sony universe in a similar way as Venom, which we don't know the the backlash of Venom quite yet because he did leave some of his symbiote there in the MCU that could show up later. But it's like it's like it's like uh, Disney and Sony are like trading cards, like they're they, right. like you know they like I'll give but they're trading you commons, they're, they're trading yeah. they're not trading rarities, they're trading they're yeah. trading common cards. I'll give you this Pikachu man if you give me that Bulbasaur. That's right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some fun facts here. So uh, the name of the cargo ship at the beginning of the film is Murnau, which is a reference to F.W. Murnau, who is the director of the classic vampire movie Nosferatu. Like like the cargo ship in Nosferatu, the Murnau arrives in the port and its entire crew is dead and drained of its blood. Uh, In the first crime scene, Agent Ramirez states that this was the weirdest crime scene after that thing in San Francisco. This is a reference, of course, to Venom. Later in the film, like we said, Morbius states, I am Venom. This is the probably the most interesting fun fact that we have. So Matt Smith, who again plays Milo in this film, is the third Doctor Who actor to play a villain in the Marvel Universe. Of course, the first one being Chris, Christopher Eggleston, who was the ninth Doctor, and he also played Malekith in Thor The Dark World. And then David Tennant, who was the tenth Doctor, he played the Purple Man <laughs> in Jessica Jones. And I, I guess I should say this for the layman, Matt Smith was the 11th Doctor. So I thought that was really interesting. And of course, they're all villains too, which is funny because the Doctor is very much a good, you know, good character. So, He's going to Malekith you. That's, <laughs> come here and give me a Malekith. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, Aaron, final thoughts on Morbius. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's very, very... Um, okay. It's it's very just nothing to me. It's yeah, just... Okay, all things aside, all things aside, I honestly did have a little bit of enjoyment watching this because of the vampire-like powers and the... And the thank you. And the things that they did. Like, again, the fight scenes were cool. Again, take everybody who starred in this movie out of it and replace them with nobodies, and I probably would have still have enjoyed it the same amount. Like, mm-hmm. everybody in it meant nothing to me. What was good was the things that were, were fake. Like, I enjoyed the fights. I enjoyed the transformations. I enjoyed the uses of his power. Even the little ear-rippling bat things, that the echolocation. That was a pretty cool effect, yeah. Like, a lot of that stuff was, like, really cool, but everything else was dumb. <laughs> it's like if there were five main people who worked on this film, I would say two of them really, really cared and like really wanted to put in an effort into this film. And the other three were just there for a paycheck. And those two Obviously, people I'd, did the, did the graphics. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we don't know any of this making art is hard. So yes. I'm sure a lot of people probably put their heart and soul into this film. 
But overall, it, it means nothing. Again, like I said earlier with the box office, we will not get another Morbius Chris, film. It'll be a team up or something. Where did the giant hole in the ground come from? <laughs> I don't know. Venom, probably. I don't know. <laughs> they fought in a giant arena-sized cave thing in underneath New York. <laughs> Where did that hole come from? Where did that come from? And then <laughs> millions of bats. Right. Millions of bats that were used as like a Kamehameha wave by Morbius yes. to hit Milo. <laughs> I thought that was a funny story. Morbius I want, is basically I literally wanted him to go, ah! like in Dragon Ball Z, ride it, ride it with all the bats. And also, I should also say, and I know this has been pointed out by many people, but did you get some Hans Zimmer Dark Knight vibes when he first turned into the vampire? Did you hear that, that sound? I'll... I'll have to, if you don't remember what I'm talking about, I'll show it to you after yeah. we get done recording. Well, even the scene where he walks in and he's like, you know, putting his, like, you know, there was that scene in Batman where he's like being surrounded by the bats. Yes. Yeah. That's know? what I'm talking like, about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That looked like it was literally like, like a, a YouTube composer took Hans Zimmer's original score and just remade it slightly. It's like Vanilla Ice and Queen. Dun, 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 dun. Like that's, they changed that. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And that's what they put in the Morbius film. So... Okay. All right, Aaron. So let's rate this thing out of five David A. Weiners. And as people know by now, David A. Weiner, of course, documentarian, uh, director, producer, writer, our Lord and Savior, God bless. Out of five David A. Weiners, what will you give 2022's Morbius? Two. A two. Okay. Mm, so I was stuck on a two for most of today. And I think after talking it out and just like really kind of laying all my thoughts out there, I think I'm going to give it a 1.5. I think it's just a two, a two is almost rec recommendable. Uh, you know, like I want you, like if it's a two, I didn't like it, but I probably could still say that you should go see it. 1.5 is me saying I found some enjoyment, but I don't recommend that anybody go see this. Like if you don't, if you want to miss this one, go watch Sonic, go watch everything all the time, all at once, go watch anything else. I'm, I'm considering going to a 1.5 only because I wouldn't tell anybody to go watch this in a theater. I'd say wait for it to come out on some kind of streaming service. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Wait till it comes out, uh, you know, on Netflix or uh, maybe even like a Amazon Prime or something. Who knows? But yeah, you get a 1.5 and a 2 out of us, uh, Morbius. So let's get the hell out of this review. I, I, <laughs> I told you before we started talking here, I didn't have much to say, and I'm glad we got at least a fun conversation out of that. So let's move on to my favorite segment, maybe a nice uh, like a cleanse of our palate here with uh, my favorite segment of this show and of all time, Aaron's Twitch Talk. It's time for Aaron's Twitch Talk. <laughs> All right. So, welcome to Aaron's Twitch Talk, where we talk about things that go on on Aaron's Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash better actions. Uh, I'm going to talk to you quickly today about two things. I'm going to make it very brief, like my underwear. <laughs> I got some new awesome glasses. They're not a sponsor, but Gamer Advantage. If you haven't checked out Gamer Advantage glasses, go check them out. If you want to write them a long-ass email about why they should make better actions or be actions, a code that they can use. And maybe they want to even sponsor the Oblivion Bar Pod because these glasses are phenomenal. Okay, They're mm -hmm. lightweight. They feel very sturdy. Um, they have a cool sunglasses attachment that just magnet just just clicks on it's pretty awesome they're also blue light blocking my eyes today all day long have felt so much better from wearing these glasses and 
I'm not going to say anything bad about the uh, the military glasses they give us because thank God they give us glasses when we need them and they are free, but uh-huh. they are nothing compared to an anti-reflective surface and a blue light blocking glass. Uh, so I'm very excited to see how these affect me. Um, so if you haven't checked them out, go over and check out Gamer Advantage. They got some great products. Um, they just teamed up with a new um, company. They're making their glasses um, more sustainable for the environment. Cool. And maybe maybe say, hey, you know, we hear about you on Oblivion Bar Pod. We just want to check it out. Maybe give them a sponsorship. Hashtag not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is today we're recording this on April 9th. Okay. Advanced Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. Okay. Which is a reboot of the original Advanced Wars 1 and 2, which came out on the Game Boy Advance. Has, one of, has been one of my favorite original like Nintendo titles since it came out on the the Game Boy Advance. I love this game. And it was already supposed to be released, I want to say January or February of 2022. It got delayed, or it might have actually been earlier, but it got delayed. That's what I'm looking at. December 3rd of 2021, it got delayed due to development issues. Okay? And it was supposed to come out yesterday. But unfortunately, which I do agree with, because of everything going on, with uh, the Ukraine and you know the the conflict that's going on over there, they thought it wasn't a great time to release a a, a war based game that that kind of really revolved the storyline really revolves around invasion forces and you know just a lot of stuff that really kind of reminisces of what's going on in the world today. So mm-hmm. I totally get that, but they still have not released you know even a month two after that they still have not released. A, a, a TBD. It's still in a TBD format for when it will finally release. And I'm getting excited. I'm getting upset. I'm getting frustrated. Again, I respect their decision, but at the same time, I want my game. I'm excited for it. Um, <laughs> if you haven't checked it out before, uh, you know, go check out Advanced Wars One and Two. Uh, there, if you have, if you still have a DS laying around, there is Advanced Wars DS, which is a dual screen version of it, which you have air superiority at the top screen, and then the bottom screen is all ground forces and, and marine forces. It's such a cool game. It just revolves basically around these. You know, you you play as a general who's controlling the 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 forces on the ground and in the air. Uh, around the map it's very tactical it's very turn-based so you move all of your your forces along around a grid map and then once your turn is done once you've moved all of your forces then it's the other general's turn and sometimes you even face two other generals sometimes Hmm. you have it's it's a crazy fun game i i really greatly enjoy it uh, so I would say if you if you haven't checked it out, go check out Advanced Wars One and Two. Uh, again, the reboot camp is coming out at some point on the Nintendo Switch. It looks great. They've really vamped up the uh, ramped up the. Uh, I want to say I was gonna say revamped, but vamped. They've also and then also vamped. They ramped up. You know, re- you know the the <laughs> graphics. It looks really really good. I'm just gonna say this again for those who are unfamiliar. Advanced Wars is a turn-based tactical strategy series that pits armies against each other on a grid map created by the same studios behind Fire Emblem uh, Intelligent Systems. Advanced Wars is arguably one of the most beloved Nintendo series, not starring Mario or Pikachu, with a fandom that obsesses over the game as much as Nintendo's other franchises. Unlike Fire Emblem, which has seen its popularity skyrocket ever since its 3DS d- debut, Adv- Advanced Wars has remained dormant for more than a decade. That's why I'm so excited. So now fans are new and newcomers alike can experience the first two games in the series revamped from the ground up so again i'm super excited uh advanced wars one and two and with that let's get into my next more exciting thing uh also if you want to check me out twitch.tv forward slash better actions but let's get into my favorite part of the show chris's corner 
It's time for Chris's Corner. Alrighty, this week for Chris's Corner, we're going to be talking about Ghost Tree, which is written by Bobby Cornell, illustrated by Simon Gain. Okay, and this is a IDW small press four issue mini. And I'm going to read the description here and then just kind of talk about why, why I love it so much. So, seeking refuge from an unhappy life, Brant returns to his ancestral home in Japan to find a haunted tree and the departed souls that are drawn to it, including his grandfather's. Getting more involved with the tree's inhabitants, he attempts to heal some of history's wounds, but will he be able to find any measure of peace for himself when someone special from his past returns? Um, this is... Uh, how do I describe this? One of, one of the reasons why I love this story so much is it just feels very heartfelt. It really tackles the idea of like our our family history, how important that should be to us, how important that is for a lot of times our family. Like I, I think as you get older, a lot of times your family history becomes a lot more important. Kind of a little peek behind the curtain here is that uh, I don't actually know my dad's side. I, I was raised by my mom uh, mostly, so I don't I don't have a ton of family. And even my mom's side, we only have maybe a couple family members from her side that we really even like talk to. So I have a very small family tree. I'm much more close with my stepdad's family who are all amazing. And uh, I just thought this was a really interesting read. It was really uh, the art by Simon Gain, of course, is incredible. Um, the The way these ghosts look in the uh, story are very, it feels very uh, scary, but almost kind of warm and welcoming at the same time. Like, I, I don't really know how to describe it. Uh, I just think it's it's highly recommendable. I always like to, if I can, kind of promote some of these small press comics by, you know, writers and artists who aren't like household names quite yet in the comic, you know, comic book world. But definitely recommend Ghost Tree. I'm sure that if you go to your local comic book shop, you'll have this sitting up there uh, in the IDW section. So once again, Ghost Tree, written by Bobby Cornell, illustrated by Simon Gain. And that'll do it for episode 74, Aaron. We've officially done it. It's officially in the books, and we're officially on to episode 75, Ooh. which is uh, kind of a landmark, right? 75 episodes? Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, what better way to congratulate ourselves and our listeners for following The Evolving Bar than having, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe just one of the greatest comic book writers of all time on the show? Jason Aaron will be joining <gasps> us for episode 75 of The Evolving Bar podcast. Hell Yeah. Uh, he, of course, has one of the most iconic runs on Thor. He had an eight-year run on Thor. He created characters like Gore the God Butcher and uh, who, who Jane will Foster's. be in the upcoming, I believe, yeah. Thor, Love, Love and, Thunder. and Thunder. That's right. Yeah, and along with Gore the God Butcher, you also have Jane Foster's Mighty Thor, who he also helped create. So, uh, very excited to talk to him. He's also, I mean, he's currently writing Punisher. He's currently writing the Avengers. He has had long stints on the Hulk, Wolverine. He's done a lot of small press stuff like Scalped and The Goddamned, and he did Southern Bastards at Image. Like he is just one of the most prolific writers in all of comics, and it was such an honor to talk to him. Uh, I'm excited to bring that conversation to all you guys uh, next week for episode 75. All righty, well, Aaron, go ahead and take us out of here. Go ahead and take us out of episode 74. <laughs> <laughs> All right, subscribe to our subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, 
We are there. Join our Patreon community, patreon.com forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. Thank you, our, ba- our patrons, Greg, Sebastian, Travis, Jeff, J, Christy, Kyle, Haley, Chris, Jeff, S, and Brad and Lisa from the Comic Book Couples Counseling Show. Like us on Facebook forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Follow us on Instagram at The Oblivion Bar and follow us on TikTok at Oblivion Bar Pod. Official merch of the show can be found at linkapp.com forward slash Oblivion Bar Pod. Thank you to Kevin Ziegler for all of our Oblivion Bar art. He's at the Zig Zone on Instagram. Instagram. Thank you to Southbound Beretta for all of our Oblivion Bar themes. Thank you to DJ Skyvac for our grid theme. And thank you to the Fantasy Shop for sponsoring the show. Don't forget to tip your bartenders 20% or more, or <laughs> or you suck. <laughs> you suck. Yep. As I would say, you suck. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Oblivion Bar podcast. And we will see you next week for our landmark 75th episode. Woo!